And good morning. This is KZUM 89.3 Lincoln. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And we should have Scott Colborn on the line here from Laughlin, Nevada. Scott, are you there? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Good morning, Hello Scott there. Colborn. There you are. Okay. All righty, uh, through the that? magic of technology. Is that the time charm? What's that? Is that the fifth time is the charm or what? I guess so. <laughs> Okay, okay, we're so ready to go. In Lincoln, Nebraska. In Lincoln, Nebraska. How are you this morning? I'm doing good, Jim. I said, how are things in Lincoln, Nebraska this morning? Okay, we're doing fine. It's a little bit chilly this morning, but the sun's out, and it's uh, forecast to warm up a little bit. I think it's going to be a beautiful day. We've got, ladies and gentlemen, a great show for you. I'm broadcasting live from my hotel room at the Aquarius Casino and Resort in beautiful, sunny, Laughlin, Nevada. You know, I don't think it ever rains here, and you can sure tell it. Uh, my skin, this is like the second day now, and I am really starting to dry out. We've got a fabulous show today. We're going to start out with Charlene and the Capital Humane Society with Pet Talk, Dogs and Cats for Adoption. Then we've got our good friend Preston Dennett, the seen and the unseen. That always just sounds so tantalizing, doesn't it? It sure does. Preston's always full of great stories. And then I've got a whole slew of folks, if they show up. See, one of the, the problems about trying to do the radio show live during the same time the conference is taking place is that a lot of people don't want to miss the speakers at the conference. And so guess who I'm up against this morning? Who are you up against? Well, they started out today... 10 minutes ago with a experiencer session mm -hmm. for people that feel they've had close encounter experiences coming up then at our time, central time at 11 o'clock is going to be the uh, famous psychic Uri Geller from Israel. And then at 1130, he's joined by the father of remote viewing, Russell Targ. And then <clears throat> Russell at 12 continues with his presentation on remote viewing at the Stanford Research Institute, the experience uh, that he had in the 1970s. And then we've got, um, after him, we've got uh, Jaime Mausson, who is a Mexican journalist. Uh, he hosts a show in Mexico that's the equivalent of 60 Minutes, and He's got incredible UFO footage he's going to be showing. So uh, in not too long, just a few minutes, we are up against Uri Geller, and <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I would personally rather be in the in the ballroom listening to Uri Geller here in a couple of minutes, but uh, the show must go on. So, Well, sure, that's some stiff competition, but I'm sure you'll find some people that would love to chat with the, the great Scott Colborn. Well... I don't know how great I am. I'm actually finishing my first cup of coffee, so I'm still getting my eyes open here. Okay, well, When you like... uh, come to a conference like this, Jim, you hit the ground running. Yeah. And there is just all sorts of stuff going on. So uh, I flew out with a friend from Lincoln, Nebraska on Thursday. Uh, that was Halloween, of course. Mm -hmm. And flew first into Denver. And then from Denver, uh, we landed at 3.03 p.m., and they began boarding our next plane uh, at 3.05. So we had to do kind of a quick sprint across part of the Denver airport. We got there in time, of course, and pulled into uh, 
Las Vegas. And uh, is there any city stranger than Las Vegas, especially on Halloween? <laughs> I, I'll bet that was quite a sight. I posted on my uh, uh, Facebook page and on the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena Facebook page a picture of the flight attendant from Lincoln to uh, to Denver Thursday on Halloween. They were all decked out as witches with the pointed hats and everything. And uh, the people behind the service counter, the flight attendants, they were the pilot wasn't dressed like that, but everybody else was. <laughs> well, that's kind of reassuring. <clears throat> And so we got into um, um, Laughlin. It was uh, an hour and a half drive. We met a friend at the uh, Las Vegas airport, and then we uh, carpooled down. We got into Laughlin and uh, had dinner and basically uh, stayed up and talked uh, fairly late. And then yesterday we started off with a meditation to kind of get folks centered and then we had um, Paula Harris talking about why she does these events, and she's really trying to start a new paradigm. Um, the old school paradigm is people are still hung up talking about whether or not E.T. is here. And if so, who's got the best picture in the night sky? And so it's hardware and bright lights. And... Paula's conference is not that sort of conference. It's for people that are starting to ask the next or bigger and deeper questions like, uh, who are they? Does that reflect on who we are? Why are they here? What is our relationship with these beings? You know, Jim, the more and more I study this phenomenon, the harder it is for me to use the term alien mm -hmm. uh, because they're really people like us. They just look differently. And they come from uh, different places, in fact, a whole multitude of places. So the first uh, speaker after Paula was Regina Meredith. And uh, she's uh, fairly famous for people that watch Gaia TV. Uh, Jim Penniston was next. And he was talking about the Rendlesham Forest Enigma, his new book with Gary Osborne. The Rendlesham Forest case, of course, we early on, we called it the Bentwaters-Woodbridge case because it was outside the gates of these two uh, NATO Air Force bases separated by a small strip of British forest that was planted for uh, tree harvesting purposes. And it was in the forest, Rendlesham Forest, where the events of December 1980 took place. Um, <laughs> I wonder how controversial I want to be on the show today. I've been thinking about what I'm going to say, and so I'm going to say this very carefully. At the end of Jim Penniston's talk, he took some questions and answers, and I jumped up at the very end of that, and I've got a fairly large voice. I call it my dad voice or my Marine Corps drill sergeant voice. I've heard that voice many times. I can carry a room pretty well. So I stood up and asked from the audience the question of Jim. I said, Jim, you said that you served there from 1980 to 1984. Are you aware of any events of unusual, anomalous uh, behavior that took place prior to your service 
Are you aware of any other events that took place beside your night, your event? And are you aware of any other events after you left the base in 1984? And he said, um, I'll take that question off stage. Thank you very much. Interesting. And he left. So Paula, my friend, she came up and asked me to speak to Jim. And I turned around, walking over to the side, and, and there was Jim. And uh, we had a amiable, yet fairly intense, short discussion. Um, he said that he was not aware of any other events. And I said, what about a woman who had served as a security police officer uh, in the 1970s there on the base? And she's been talking about her UFO experiences. He uh, said that she was a fabricator, that she had, in fact, made up her rank and dismissed her. Mm. And so we then talked about um, Larry Warren. And uh, Ray Boucher and I were one of the early American researchers talking about this case. We interviewed Larry Warren. And uh, he said Larry Warren is a hoaxer that he's taken two or three accounts and melded into his own. And if I put any credence into Larry's story, I am sailing on the wrong boat. So I touched his shoulder. I said, you know, I guess we're going to agree to disagree, Jim, and, and thank you. And then he walked off. Mm -hmm. Hey, I think we got Charlene, don't we? I think we do. And I just looked at the time. Let's get, let's get yeah, Charlene going. She should be right there. I am. Good morning. Good morning, Charlene. Hi, Charlene. I'm sorry. I just started rolling with it, and I forgot that we got to do pet talk, and that's so important. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad you're having such an interesting and um, educational experience in Nevada. Well, I tell you what, they feed you good here, too. Good. Hey, Pet Pictures with Santa. Tell me about that. That'll be one of our fundraisers that's coming up. We always appreciate people who come out and support our fundraisers, and that will be Friday, November 15th, and Tuesday, November 19th. You can go to our website at capitalhumanesociety.org to schedule an appointment at Camp Bow Wow. Okay, everybody, repeat after me. Pet pictures with Santa? <laughs> Boy, it sounds like fun, doesn't it? Okay, uh, we've got dogs and cats for adoption. Uh, do you want to start with cats today? Sure. We can start with cats, and we will start with pretty Misty. And Misty is a very lovely cat looking for a nice family that's going to keep her warm. She has such a cute little look on her face. She's about a year old, a domestic short hair, um, ready to find a family that's just going to be very kind to her, that keeps her warm and happy for her whole life. Oh, she's just a little sweetie. Uh-huh. Kind of a, a kind of an inquisitive look on her face, like, what is that? And uh, Yep. Uh, mottled stripes and uh, white chest. and Just a, a beautiful little thing. Play Misty for me. Play Misty Indeed. for me. Who's going to be her, her buddy or companion today? Dexter, a two-year-old neutered male domestic medium hair. 
He's popping out of his little door there, ready to meet a new family, hopes the the perfect family is going to stop by our adoption center today and choose him. He's a brown and black tabby, long white whiskers, bright eyes, will be a beautiful sidekick. Well, he kind of looks like a wild guy, doesn't he? Uh-huh. <laughs> ready to roll and, and chase that fake mouse around the floor. <laughs> When my kids were growing up, they had a favorite cartoon show, Dexter, that they watched. Uh, so this is a really beautiful cat. I love the straight markings on uh, Dexter's forelegs. Misty and Dexter are two great cats, and if they aren't enough to trip your triggers, we say, then there's... Scout, and Scout's a cutie, a one-year-old fade female, domestic short hair, black and white and cute all over. <laughs> Has a really soft <laughs> face, happy expression on her face, um, ready to purr and prance around in a new home. Boy, what what kind of expression is that? I think Gee. she's excited to have her picture taken. <laughs> I was thinking, like she said, "You're taking that play toy away from me." What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, beautiful cat. Uh, I adopted two cats because I felt they were better than one, and we enjoyed many, many years of fun and friendship. Uh, here's Charlene to talk to you about hours open today and tomorrow. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 530. Okay, next up we've got dogs for adoption. Who do you start with? These great-looking dogs. We're going to start with dogs, so D-A-W-G, an eight-year-old sure. neutered male Basenji mix, super cute, tri-colored, very, uh, has a very, like, interested look on his face, ready to find a family that will make him the center of attention. He does not care for other dogs, so he wants to be your only canine, um, but he's going to be a very fun friend. Tell me the, the mixture or breed again. Basenji mix. Um, I think I heard you say something, but I won't have you repeat it again. Okay. Um, <laughs> fun, fun dog. D a u g. Excuse me. D a w g. Dog is his name, and he's ready for your your uh, rest of your life and his life. So, take a look at his picture at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. You can click on his thumbnail description, and that blows up and tells you more about DAWG. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you did say that word. It sounds like Basenji. How'd I do? Basenji is how I say it, yep. Okay. So DAWG, and his buddy is? Mac. And Mac is a big puppy, 10 months old, a Labrador Mastiff mix, and he already weighs 65 pounds, so he's looking for a family that can handle a large dog and all the needs that large dogs have. He is also looking to be your one and only canine, so he wants to be the center of attention, um, but if you love uh, big dogs, Mac is going to be a really good friend. That happens to be the name of my dog, except we always... Oh, that's right. That. And we call him Mac the Good Dog. Nice. (laughs) 
okay, this is a great-looking dog, and he's sort of grinning for the camera. Uh, he's ready to go out and take those walks today. Take a look at the picture of Matt at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Okay, who's next? Pappy and Ellie. They are a perfect pair of chihuahuas. <laughs> so Pappy is two and Ellie is eight, and they're very, very good friends. So we're looking for a home where they can go home together. Um, they do have a lot of fun. They're both just adorable, um, ready to keep you grinning from ear to ear. Pappy and Ellie, boy, what a perfect pair, huh? Right. Okay, uh, hours open today and tomorrow, Charlene. Please visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We are open today and tomorrow from 11 to 530. And what are you doing for the rest of the day? Are you working or are you outside raking leaves? <laughs> I am working. So I will be at the Adoption Center. We've got a lot going on. We have a tour group coming through later. Our volunteers are working hard to help us. So we're very grateful for all the support from the community, and we hope a lot of adopters come out. And we'll try to send them your way, my friend. Thanks for all that you do, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Have a great time. Thank you, Charlene. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or cat. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And uh, Lou, thank you very much for being in the studio there with Jim. He says, uh, you're welcome. And uh, we've got Preston queued up on the line here. And I, I think uh, Lou wants to take the bottom of the hour break in about five minutes here. Okay, we'll we'll do that, and we'll come back and finish up with Preston then, okay? Okay, sounds great. He's nodding. Hey, Preston, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm just having a great time here, Preston. I'm at the, uh, the Star Wars USA UFO Symposium. Nice. We got to get you over here. You know, from <laughs> from California, this is not too far. No, it's not. Wow. Yep, Laughlin, Nevada. Boy, I think you would fit in. You would just you'd love it over here. Um, Preston, we always enjoy having you on for the first Saturday of the month because somehow you always seem to have such interesting stories. Uh, tell us what's crossed your desk. Well, been very busy. I've been working on a new book and uh, just finished transcribing this interview with this amazing woman from Georgia who's had a number of really amazing experiences, uh, mostly positive, with UFOs and ETs. Uh, she's been guided throughout her life, and uh, her life is saved on a couple of occasions by these guys. So it's wow. Yeah, really amazing. She worked for the Department of Defense in the Army at Fort Benning at one point. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was married, uh, but things weren't going that well with her spouse. Um, he was you know, acting strangely, and her health was beginning to suffer, and something just wasn't right. She was unhappy and uh, just not feeling well and couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And one day she's driving to work. This is actually late at night. She had a late night uh, employment and uh, is driving along this isolated road and see, sees 
she just these lights behind her, and she thought, my gosh, did I pass the stadium or something? Because these were very bright lights, and uh, she knew she hadn't. It was an isolated part of the road. She's looking behind her in the rearview mirror, and these lights are actually approaching her. So she slows down her car from, you know, around 60 to 30 miles per hour or so, and realizes that whatever this thing is, it's coming directly for her car. And it's huge. Wow. Yeah, so it reminded her of a, you know, a B-52 bomber. It was that big. Yes. Totally silent. And comes zooming towards her and actually buzzes her car. Right over her car, about four 400 feet up, maybe. Uh, which is pretty low for an object that size. And comes, you know, very fast, right over her car. Goes up a little bit, makes this banking curve, and stops and hovers right over her, right overhead, just in front of her. So, of course, she comes to a complete stop and looks at this thing, absolutely flabbergasted. It's huge. It's clearly, you know, some sort of saucer-shaped object uh, covered with lights, and she gets this message from it. It says, home is bad. Home is not good. Home is bad. And it darts off. And she's super confused at this point because not only has, you know, this thing buzzed her, but she doesn't quite understand what this message means. Home is bad. Right. You know, home, is that Earth? You know, is that my home? What's going on? And she just couldn't believe it. You know, so she finally gets to work. She asks her <laughs> captain, you know, do we have any strange aircraft around? And he gives her kind of a sharp look, like, Why? What are you talking about? I think I saw something. And he says, no, nothing's coming in. She called the local Air Force bases and airports, and none of them had any information on what she saw. So she's realizing it was just for her. And she's thinking, what could this possibly mean? That evening, she comes home. Her husband bought Chinese food, and she took two bites of it became violently ill. She had to be rushed off to the hospital. And uh, to make a long story short, you know, she just got sicker and sicker following this. Uh, she had a separation from her husband and uh, had to be rushed off to the hospital. And they said, honey, you have antifreeze in your blood. Someone's been poisoning you. And it turned out it was her you know, now ex-husband. And uh, she firmly believes this UFO is trying to warn her and uh, she was able to you know, start paying attention to what was going on because of this warning and uh, basically saved her life. What a story. Wow. wow. What a story. Uh, Scott, let's take a pause here. Uh, Lou wants to take the break and we'll pick it up on the other side, okay? Okay, you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. We're going to be right back. And we're back with Unexplained Phenomenon with Scott Colborn and Jim Shorney. Hey, Lou, thank you very much. Um, what are you and Jim doing for coffee since I didn't bring a thermos this morning? I'll be honest with you, sir. I made about a whole pot at home, drunk it all, and I got one set up here and kind of going to run out on the break when you folks get in and talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we've got to our first guest here in the, uh, uh, the Glorious Studio now, which is... My room in the Aquarius Casino Resort on the 12th floor. Um, 
I'm celebrating my birthday, which is November 11th, a little bit early on this weekend. I, I don't know if it's an interesting series of numbers, but my room number is 111. So we just need one more, and we'd have my birthday, wouldn't we? That's awesome. Okay, so we've got Honor and Tanya that are here. And these are folks that I met here at the uh, the conference. And um, Honor, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Honor Inse. Uh, as you can guess from my accent, I'm not American. Uh, I'm from Turkey, but I live in the United States. Welcome. Uh, I'm an economics professor. Uh, came for the uh, conference. And um, all I've been all since my childhood. I've been very much interested in extraterrestrial phenomena. And um, uh, since we have really good speakers in this conference, uh, and I listen to their podcasts or videos all the time, I wanted to come and um, uh, meet them or meet other folks here and um, try to explore what basically what's happening in the world. So you've got a intelligence, you've got a curious mind, and we'll talk about maybe your background or personal experiences of what brought you here. Um, and Tanya, tell us about yourself. Hello, everyone. And Scott, thank you for having us here. So my name is Tanya Imse. I'm uh, a professor as well. Uh, I'm um, interested in consciousness development and spiritual growth, and uh, that was uh, was my my passion or my interest from that was my interest from early teenage years and I had first experiences then and then um, that what brought us to this conference today and this weekend and it's amazing to see that uh, over the years that when I when I uh, researched the subject it seems like we are guided by uh, beings not from this planet and that's how people are growing through by receiving these messages so I Studied a lot of channeling materials as well, and um, yeah, that's, that's what I want to explore more. Um, so, Honor and Tanya, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having us, and thank you also for making the trip um, from, if I'm correct, um, from North Carolina. That is correct. Yeah. So uh, now let's talk about maybe some of your background. Um, Honor, have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, yes, I did. I had um, some encounters that... You're from Turkey. I am, yes. And um, I came to the United States in 2005, and um, when I was 25 years old. And before that, uh, I grew up next to Mediterranean Sea in Turkey. and um, Beautiful area. It is. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Uh, the weather, uh, the vegetables olive oil, but everything. And um, I saw some lights in the sky, as usual. It was time that I went during my childhood when I grew up, and um, lights underwater, lights above water, lights it's on the sky going into the water without a splash. And um, you were asking questions or stuff like, what just happened here? What did just happen? And um, I'll explain. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it was not a swamp gas. And uh, <laughs> and no. Wasn't mosquitoes and wasn't swamp gas. No, it was not. And um, 
I came to the United States. I lived in Houston, Texas for six years. Um, I like water a lot, so I've been to Galveston area a lot and um, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. And um, I just wanted to talk about my late, the last experience, mm-hmm. uh, because I usually don't want to talk about these experiences. This is the first time I mention about it publicly. Uh, last uh, last spring, uh, I think it was in it's end of April, April 2019, and um, uh, my mother lives in Turkey, and um, I heard that she got into some disease, leukemia. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you, and um, we basically uh, tried to arrange the trip to Turkey to help her out for the relocation and um, running the errands, and uh, she needs to take a chemo and going to doctors and so on. And I was in uh, our guest house over there. We were guests in our family's house in Houston. And um, we, I, it was around like 3.30, 4am. I cannot explain how this just happened, but I had a huge urge to go next to the ocean. It was around 4am in the morning, still dark. And, um, Do you normally have any urges to go to the ocean before it's <laughs> no, no, I don't. I know you do. I, I, I always <laughs> hear these stories, and, and they just strike me that they're so out of the ordinary, that suddenly at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, you say, hmm, I need to go to the ocean. It's, it, it, it doesn't happen. It's, just, it's like, but the, the problem is this. When you're, um, when I'm right, right now putting into words about what the urge is, or what, sorry, I'm, uh, it's, it's very hard to put it in words. But like, it's not like uh, nobody was forcing me. Nobody was giving me the idea. Like it was an urge. Like um, maybe I wanted to feel better. Maybe I wanted to. Um, I wanted to get out of that situation because I was thinking about my mother's sickness and so on. But uh, I felt that urge, and I got into my car from Houston to Galveston approximately 45 minutes drive. I was next to the ocean on the beach around 5 a.m. in the morning, still dark, got out of the car. It was raining crazily. And got into the beach. It's first, there's a concrete area, then the sand area, and on the concrete area, there are some steps, stairs. I just sat on the stair with my uh, coat on and um, looking at the ocean. And look at the sky, completely dark, and a craft just appeared in front of me, just above the ocean, because I can see the reflection of light from the water. Interesting. And um, it stayed hovered. Time is, what, what, what I say would be wrong, because uh, over, I didn't measure the time with my clock, or I didn't, I just like, it was like a, a meditative situation, but it was not a meditation. I saw it physically. But I mean physically, I saw the physical reflection of the light of yes. the water. And um, the craft, approximately right now, from uh, from what I recall, 
uh, it's better on the on the water. Uh, maybe thirty seconds. I thank them, and uh, I think they wanted to support me. I thank them, and it disappeared. The the craft was it a uh, structured object that you could see, or was it a, a bright light? It was a light. Right. Uh, I didn't see any occupants in it. I didn't see any physical material. I, I just saw light. That was light. If you were to guess, um, knowing how long an American football field is, 100 yards. 100 how, yards is approximately 91 meters in metric system. Nine, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. far do you think it was from, from you on the steps there? I think it might be 20 meters, so it might be approximately around 18, uh, 22, 23 yards. So we're talking pretty darn close. It was close. Was there, was there any sound to this light? No, no sound at all. So we, we need to rule out then um, a helicopter. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's not a helicopter. We need to rule out a um, trash can with lights on it that somebody threw up in the air that somehow hovers mysteriously over the water for 30 seconds. That's correct. Um, and it was, do you think the size was such that you could rule out it being a drone? Uh, it's not a drone. And the drone, like if it's a drone, uh, you can see the physical shape of it on top of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Plus, uh, that was a big craft. It was not. Drone couldn't be that size. I mean, without a without a noise on the water. So a big craft. I, I know that with the ocean as the backdrop, it's probably hard to measure size. But if you were to take a guess, how big was that? It was. It was not like a giant craft, but uh, it was a big craft for a drone. So uh, bigger than a car. Or? It was bigger than a car. Mm -hmm. It was bigger than a car. Uh, it was probably approximately, the diameter is approximately 20 feet, 20 feet. So that probably, because you've struck me when I met you as being a very intelligent young man. Thank you. That probably stirred a lot of things within you. Um, you probably felt like, gosh, I need to find out more about this. Well, it was like this since the child. Uh, I need to find out more about this because um, this is how I grew up in line. If you leave me a room with a box of riddles or puzzles, I'm not going to get out of there without solving. So the question, <laughs> is, the question is like, what is going on? And um, and this uh, phenomena, I'll call it, uh, is not just a physical or. Uh, visitation or it's just not in passing the speed of light there is more dimensionality to it and um, interdimensional trans the teleportation is going on in it definitely dematerialization and materialization is going on it and this is not uh, holy angelical issue. That's a different issue, but uh, appearance and disappearance of uh, out of the world phenomena or uh, extraterrestrial visitation and angelic beings visitation or coming down is different issue, but uh, 
the similarities, they're both interdimensional, so it can be mixed up. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. And um, I'm not going to uh, say anything about the religious aspect of it, but uh, there is dimensionality is going on. This is think, think it like this. There is an ant walking on your desk. The ant is a two-dimensional. Okay. It, it has two-dimensional. And when your finger is above the ant, the ant is not going to see that. And when you put down your finger on the desk in front of the end, then and is going to see your finger because now you you basically go into the second dimension of the dimension of the end that that end can see you. That's I think that's the issue. Mm-hmm. We are not in the we are not seeing the things that we sometimes extraordinarily see not in the third dimension, but when they get into the from fourth third or fifth to third, then with the multiple dimensional. Uh, downsize or descent, that's when we see that. Well, I think that you picked a great conference to come to uh, because this is a conference that looks at some of those bigger questions beyond um, who's got the best nighttime photograph of a bright light and the propulsion system, the arguments that because we can't do that, therefore they can't do that. Yeah. Uh, that negates the whole question of all the reports that they are indeed here. Um, Tanya, let's talk about you. Have you had uh, sightings or experiences? I had sightings, uh, but all my, all my sightings were only next to him. Mm-hmm. So um, when we are together, sometimes uh, this craft appear next to us. And the last one I can remember was in North Carolina in, when we were we were visiting a friend's beehive. Uh, so it's a bee, bee farm. And I'm drinking honey with my coffee this morning. Yeah. <laughs> we had a really good time. It was a party, bee party, <laughs> to celebrate sure. uh, some projects, a research project that is going on on bees as well. So, and we were in the middle of no, nowhere, basically. There is not much, um, it's very rural area in North Carolina in the mountains. Um, and we were driving back home. And um, then what started to happen is, so... Owner told me, look, there is there a light. There is a, this light over there on the right-hand side. I looked there, and I, I saw that that was unusual. It was far away from us, but I could feel the... I, I, fe- I felt just this um, feeling of bliss um, and positive positive emotion. And then uh, we were. I was watching it, and he was driving. Then we noticed that after some time, they were just striking us. Tracking, uh, following us, and uh, after some time, we noticed that the GPS is not working because oh. it it the location was location. supposed to be our home location, and it switched to a completely different coordinates that were like pinned there, and hmm. we didn't pin those coordinates. So we realized that we are going in the wrong direction. Oh, I didn't touch the GPS at all. The location had changed, definitely changed. Because it was it wasn't a familiar area to us. You know, unfamiliar. We were we ended up somewhere else, and I think that was if if they can influence our GPS, that maybe they wanted us to be there at that time. To summarize, we got off course approximately 18 miles, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't realize the the location on the GPS had changed. Uh, up, but it 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 happened probably. Like, what's going on? We're kind of going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Our home, we're kind of going through the Virginia side. And uh, so, what's going on here? And we checked out that the location on the GPS is not different. Mm-hmm. 
It was different place. People talk about being diverted in their car, mm -hmm. and they talk about missing time. Did you experience any of that? Yes, his watch was uh, completely, it stopped working. We realized it when we came home, it, it didn't work. And that time when we were there, it stopped working and didn't work. Yeah. And like, the next day, it started working again. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the people on the radio can't can't see this, of course, but this is the, the woman from Turkey that I met, Esen Sekakara. And she's been active in, in Turkey UFO research for a long time. So uh, there's a story that I learned from a man at the Rocky Mountain UFO conference that Leo Sprinkle put on. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that I met that was about six foot eight. He was about 325 pounds. Wow. Just a big, big man. And was an engineer that worked on the Alaska pipeline. Mm -hmm. And he was there because he'd gone on a trip and with his wife, he was very meticulous being an engineer. And so when they would stop for a rest stop, he would note that in his notebook. When they stopped for gas, he'd note the mileage, the time, the gallons, etc. So he was meticulous. All of a sudden, this is going back to, to your story here. He and his wife realized that they were... 25, 30 miles away from where they should be. They were on a side highway. They didn't remember taking the turn. They didn't remember that wasn't part of their route at all. And it was like they suddenly came to, like they'd been in a semi-amnesia state or a fog. And so he was perplexed. He said, I built my whole life on being meticulous as an engineer, exact, everything planned out. Then I have this thing happen. So I came here to the conference to find out more about this. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he did. What do you both think about the conference so far here at Laughlin? It's a great conference. Uh, I'm very impressed. So this is our first UFO conference. But I like it is, huh? It is. It's the first time. What a great first pick it's there. Great. I, I enjoy it a lot. And uh, the quality of speakers is amazing. Uh, people who are here presenting their serious researchers of this phenomena and of remote viewing as well. That is very fascinating to me, that topic is fascinating. Remote viewing and government programs that we had on, on remote viewing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, Extrasensory phenomenon, or ESP, is mm -hmm. uh, another issue. The remote viewing is another issue that... Uh, we are really interested in. I was really interested in after reading the declassified CIA documents about Ingo Swan uh, remote viewing the moon with Axel Rod and reporting what's been on the moon. And um, he saw uh, some mining activity and then saw some things. And they could also see him. And Ingo immediately was born that come back here and, mm -hmm. running. and this document was classified I said oh this is serious and um, that, this thing's been mentioned quite a bit here it, it is he is the father of remote viewing and that's been accepted by all the remote viewers and um, uh, Angela White presented yesterday and um, I'm sorry Angela Smith was yesterday and um, he bought her books because she's also uh, very um, known well known in the area and then um well, so you guys remember when I said, um, are you thinking about dinner? 
because I was trying to round up dinner guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess who we rounded up for dinner? We had Russell Targ yeah. and his wife and their friend. We had Angela Thompson Smith. Um, what a dinner party. <laughs> wow. And tonight's going to be our big gala uh, banquet, so we're going to have a lot of fun there tonight, too. Uh, today we've got uh, Uri Geller, Russell Targ, Jaime Masson. Now, he's a, a, a gentleman from Mexico. I don't Jaime very well. Uh, okay. I watched all these programs, and um, I'm still watching it, even though it's in Spanish and I don't understand anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I always told, like, uh, UFOs are in Spanish, they're called OVNIs, and uh, he's saying, like, observe, observe. And, uh, I can speak five languages, but Spanish is not one of them. Well, and like uh, four more than I do. <laughs> I'm going to ask Jaime to put at least some English subtitles so we can understand what's going on. But Jaime is uh, is the uh, one of the most honest, brave, uh, not not getting scared of being ridiculed. If he believes in something, he believes in something, and if he makes a mistake, he will come and say it. But so far, I haven't seen he's done any. Yeah, he he got into some controversy with a uh, the mummies in Peru, right? The alleged um, picture of a an alleged alien that was then uh, debunked, and so there were a lot of other excuse me, there were a lot of other UFO researchers that took him to task for that, and I responded and I said, you know what? If I played professional baseball. And I was able to hit the ball once out of every four times at the plate. I would get hired by any team in the country with a 250 batting average. If I could be right half the time, I could command a salary of millions of dollars. And so I allow people to do their best, to err on the side of doing their best. And sometimes they take a swing and they miss. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the important. The important part is that when they take that swing and connect, and we're all better for it. Um, before we go to our top of the hour break here, uh, Honor and uh, Tanya, is there anything you'd like to say to our listening audience about maybe why you're curious and why they should be curious about UFOs and, and the intelligence behind them? Uh, one thing that I would like to say about is the issue of consciousness. Uh, the science, the mainstream science, I'm saying it as a person who's a professor who's doing research, publishing in academic papers. And I'm saying that mainstream science is mostly focusing on the things that could be provable with using our five senses. And um, remote living is basically, it's proved that it's working. And this is not science that is done by the fifth sense or five senses. It's done by your sixth sense. So, and you shouldn't try to um, prove things with what we know so far. A hundred years ago, we wouldn't understand that I could talk to my parents with my iPhone or Android phone on the phone back and see them when they're in Turkey and I'm in the United States. So if you try to evaluate everything with what you have and close your eyes, this is not a science. 
This is bigotry. So well said. if everyone who is listening to us and who is into science, don't be a bigot and do not have an idea without knowledge. And to have a knowledge, you need to open your eyes. That's what I'd like to say. <clears throat> well said, Honor. Thank you. Tony, how about you? I want to uh, close with a few words and just um, um, because I think these are important topics, um, not just from the perspective of understanding the world and the universe better, but from the perspective of our growth. And for me, that was the motivation. And um, different people are perceiving the world differently, and we are receiving this information differently. So I think having an open mind helps us in this um, personal exploration. I'm sure that many listeners are going through their own process in this and exploring who they are in trends and asking this question, who I am, what is my role in this life? So for me, these answers were, I found my answers because I had an open mind, I think. And um, yeah, just... Um, Go, go where, wherever your heart is guiding you. And I think this uh, radio show is a, gra- is great, uh, is a great resource. Well, thank so you. thank you, Scott, for thank doing you. this. Thanks for having us, by the way. Thank you. And if you both will take one of my cards there, you get to have the fun of hearing yourselves on the show in about a week. Okay. We'll have the, your, your part fun. of the show uh, archived, and it'll be available in about a week here. So. Okay. I look forward to hanging out with you more this weekend here. Yeah. So, Honor and, and Tanya, pleasure. thank you very much for being here. My pleasure is ours. Thank you. This is Scott Colborn and uh, Jim and Lou. I'm going to send it back to you for the top of the hour break. And we're back from the break, Scott, and ready to go. Okay, Jim, uh, Lou, this is Scott Colborn, and again, we're live from the Aquarius Casino and Resort in Laughlin, Nevada. And this is the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. Um, and this is day two of the conference. Uh, today coming up, we've got an experience, uh, experiencer session with Gwen Farrell. I'm going to attend her session tomorrow morning also. Nick Pope is after lunch on the United Kingdom and remote viewing. And then a must-see would be Grant Cameron. Grant's always one of my favorites at these events. He's talking about a port. And what I mean by that word, a port, is things that actually appear uh, out of nothing. And uh, so interesting talk coming up about portals, extraordinary events, consciousness of ports. Tonight's our gala dinner. And then we've got a, a movie Uh, that features Russell Targ called Third Eye Spies. So I've got uh, two people now in my makeshift studio, which is my room on the 12th floor of the Aquarius Casino Resort, and I've got Dan Tebow and Reverend Dr. Michael Carter with me. And so, Reverend Carter, Dan, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Now, uh, Dan, this this is not your first conference here. This is my third, okay. and it's something we started three years ago, and uh, it's a mind-opening experience. Is yes. this your first? This is my first one here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I do these occasionally. Uh, I'm doing one in April in Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, from April 2nd to 5, April 2nd to April 5th. But, yeah, yeah, I try to – I do maybe once or two, one or two of these a year. 
Michael is a presenter here this year and uh, did, a, did a thrilling talk yesterday that you really enjoyed. Did a fabulous talk. Let's let's talk about that. Dude. Sure. Uh, uh, Michael Carter's talk yesterday was on God, extraterrestrials, and the evolution of human consciousness. And I posted part of what he had on a video screen on my Facebook page yesterday. And I said that, whoa, we're learning more than just UFOs here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and these yeah. questions take us into personal areas, don't they? Yes, they do. I, I mean, for me, and, and I, I, I mean this with all due respect, it's more than just about life in the sky. And so, I mean, that's part of it. But after a while, you, it, it, for, at least for me, uh, it's about, okay, but how do, I, how do I interact now with people, with myself, knowing that this whole reality is larger than we probably, we probably can't even fathom. And the part, part I found so enlightening during your talk yesterday, you being a man of the cloth and having the audacity to, to say that the angels didn't have wings, they were extraterrestrials, they were this uh, challenging the core beliefs that we were all raised with. Yeah, and you know, I could always be wrong. I, I just, you know, I had a lot of anger at religion, uh, my particular religion at the time, because the questions, well, it could be said of life too, the questions, you got answers to questions before you even knew what the questions were. Now, I'm not saying... You again, were told the questions as well. Yeah, so there maybe the angels do have wings. I just know in the Bible it does not say that, which doesn't mean that it, they don't. But they were, I think our ancestors were trying to tell us that these people could fly. Angel means messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's simply all it means. I'm a messenger. So uh, some people still wrestle with the fact that Jesus was Jewish. But he was a Jewish man, a different kind of Jewish man. But he was a Jewish man. And so, you know, we could, we could start growing up a little bit and looking life in the eye and maybe seeing different things. It doesn't take away from his ministry, at least it doesn't for me. Of course. And it's like, I don't know, was during your talk or someone else's that was referred to Jesus as a hybrid where he had yeah, a mother that, that was I mentioned that. human and a father who was not of this earth. Yeah. Yeah. That so that means- the yeah. definition of a hybrid. Well, it means that you're at least not fully human if, you, if we're going to take him at his word. Okay? Because we know Joseph was his earthly father. Then if your mother's human and you're not, or if you're, even if your dad is human and your mother's not, that means you're not fully human. Yeah. That's half the breed American Indian that I am. I, I yeah. relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have Cherokee and me and a couple other mixtures. So, uh, I've got a lot of coffee and me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you got a little caffeine. Yeah, so, so that, that's all I'm trying to get people to do uh, and, and to keep their hearts open uh, uh, because that's what's going to make the difference. It's, 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 it's keep your heart open. And our minds and uh, hopefully the two will, will meet. Yeah. Well, this is what I posted, folks, on my Facebook page. Um, this was uh, on the screen uh, as Michael Carter ended his presentation. And for those that haven't seen this on my Facebook page, here it is. You can't heal the people you love. You can't make choices for them. You can't rescue them. You can promise that they won't journey alone. You can loan them your map. But this trip is theirs. Be gentle with yourself. It's hard work to be present to the freedom of the other. 
Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I know that uh, that sometimes we can have, believe me, we can have unrealistic expectations. But one of my favorite movie quotes is, when I was young and clever, I wanted to change the world. Now I'm older and wise, I just need to change myself. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only person you can really change. You cannot change someone who doesn't want to be changed, doesn't make them bad people, doesn't make you, you know, and I'm always curious about people who want to change the world because I know some people, it's just a way of not looking at yourself. If all the problems are out there, then I don't have to look at my shadow side. Well, I resemble those remarks. I mean, listen, I'm a minister and I know what I speak on Sunday, I'm telling folks what I need to know myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in the trenches with you. And so uh, that, that's just been my experience. I'm not saying you don't want to be a, a bright light, but if you have this compulsion that i got to change everybody else, or as I said yesterday, that I have to be right, that's the big one. You know, do you want to be right or do you want to be a piece? I know some people say I want to be right. I respect that. Well, I'm going to slow you down because what you just said, I, I heard again yesterday, and that's pretty powerful. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be at peace? Or do you want to be at peace? Yeah. Wow. There's there's a whole bunch of shows right here on that subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how, how do we connect this to the UFO mystery? Is that is that connect your consciousness? Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Back to the definition of it almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, consciousness is just a fancy word for awareness. But we see that as catching on a couple in, in, in the UFO community. Again, a very opaque term. I, I went to speak at the MUFON uh, in Phoenix. And you survived. Oh, they're good and, folks. Yeah, they're good people. And But MUFON had this reputation of just being strictly nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Just give me the facts, man. And if you notice, what are they talking about today? MUFON. And how consciousness is affecting the UFO or something like that. But they have the word consciousness. That's a that's a, a desert and a sea from where they were before. Yeah, that's a big move. Yeah, and consciousness is just how do we evolve when we come out of this tribalism? I mean, because if you search the data, a lot of a lot of star beings are saying that's not what we're talking about. We all come from one source. And so you have this illusion that you're separate. And it's not just our beings. Most prophets and avatars and evolved people talk about this one. So to me, they're not separate. But it depends on what you focus on. You can focus on, was that a weather balloon? Was that a, a, a UFO? That's interesting. It's titillating. But you still got to get up the next morning and deal with difficult people. Deal with religious people who may not see your way of view. You, you've got to live life. And so for me, because I know what you believe by how you treat me. Wise rabbi said that 2,000 years ago. By their fruits, you shall know them. You can go to church every Sunday. You can go to the temple every Friday or be in, in the mosque. You can, you know, have your, your Shabbos. But I know some people who do that. They're doing all these go to Bible study every Wednesday night. And some of them are the, kind of the most mean-spirited people in the world. Exactly. But on the outside, they're doing. So you got to go deeper. Yeah, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. Yes, yes. And that, and that's where I don't care whether it's, it's it's the snake people, you know, the four-legged or wing people or stone people or whatever it is. I that's your relationship. And I'll know what you believe by how you treat them, how you treat the earth, and and your 
and your relationship to the cost, whatever you want to call that. Um, Dan, did you have, um, when you were a young boy growing up, did you have a UFO experience? A As you recall, sighting uh, or a close encounter? Or? I was on your show two years ago. Uh, yeah, my first one was in uh, 1976 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, me and my girlfriend, Amy, were parking by the dam, by the river. There's a hydroelectric dam there. And uh, saw this big craft coming down the river. And said, Amy, Amy, look, it's a UFO. And she said, no, it's a helicopter. Oh, it was triangular shaped. Just slowly coming down the river. Stopped over the dam and like a beam came down. I said, a UFO. And uh, Amy's like, no, it's a helicopter. It's a triangular shaped helicopter. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it hovered over the dam, and uh, you couldn't, the dam was noisy, so if it made a noise, I didn't hear it, mm-hmm. but uh, then it just eased on down the river and, and took off, and uh, then two years later, me and a friend were fishing up in uh, Lake Wabadoo, way up in northern Minnesota, we were night fishing, we were on this boat in the middle of the lake here, and there's this little island out the lake, also we get these birds, all this ruckus on the, on the island, and the same shaped craft, whether it was the same, I don't know, came up either from behind the island or on the island, just came straight up, uh, turned and came towards us. And I had my camera with me. I had my old Minolta 35-millimeter camera. A camera with film, folks. But uh, in a boat at night, rocking, I took pictures. And uh, you can see it. It's just moving a bit, but you can see the, the craft in, in the pictures. And, uh, and it came over us and just, you know, gone in a flash. And uh, I was... Uh, Believer before that, and uh, of course that solidified it. And just the hook was really set. Uh, Michael had face-to-face encounters, yeah. and uh, which I envy, but at the same time, it scared the yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened to you, Michael? Uh, I talked a little bit about it yesterday, December twenty-eighth, nineteen eighty-nine. I came back from the pyramid on uh, the Yucatan with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, uh, we went. To bed that night, I went to a party. Again, I mentioned it last night and just ate all the deviled eggs I could. But no, the <laughs> like deviled eggs. Yep, and, uh, you know, it's the little thing. So, anyway, I, I felt the presence in the room. I don't know whether I had to get up to, to go to the bathroom or whatever. And there was a being at the edge of my bed. We would call uh, this individual a gray now. I don't know whether it's male or female. But it, he was really kind of all chalk white, big bulbous head. Uh, like a pair, wraparound eyes, those dark eyes, very small, maybe four feet tall, very thin. And I, I remember the jumpsuit. It was like a jumpsuit, but it looked like Reynolds wrap. It was that kind of shiny. But, and and it, I thought my, my heart was going to come out of my chest. And like I said yesterday, I've had a cop, a cop put a gun up to my head once. And, uh, I, and that didn't scare me as much as this individual did. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and he stared at me, and I stared at him or her, and I pulled the covers up over my head. And, yes, I think uh, you remarked that's what most of us would have done. Macho man, no, not when I saw that. I have heard so many people oh that have God. had the same experience in a setting of a bedroom doing the exact same thing. We yeah. have <clears throat> built into us, you know, that if we hide, it will It'll be gone. Away. It's like a child, yeah. And, and, but, you know, and then I heard all these sounds like, like I was outside, and the temperature changed. And uh, uh, and then when I pulled it down, he was gone. And then, I, like I said, it, it started coming, it just started happening twice a month for like eight months, maybe a year. But new and full moon. 
I, I could, it was like clockwork. And then what started to happen was other races would come. Did you did you start to to acclimate, and uh, did your initial uneasiness or fear begin to subside? No. It took me uh, probably fifteen years before I would turn the light off in my as if the light would keep it. Okay. But 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 what I can tell you is that I started to miss them because uh, there were periods like one, two, three years where they wouldn't show up that, that way. Maybe a dream or, uh, or or if I was meditating, I would see them. But uh, and I would I would miss them. Did they still come when you had the lights on? They never came when I had the lights on. That would have been interesting to see them. The light of a lamp. Well, but they had their light around them. They were like glowing. Or around them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, it took me yeah over ten years. I, literally about probably fourteen, fifteen years. And even now, you know, like sometimes I uh, like last night. I mean, because I've had some visitations when I've been in hotel rooms, uh, but. I just turned it off. I, they didn't hurt me. One time they did hurt me. And what had happened was, but they listened to me. One time they would paralyze me, but they would show me pictures right here. What they were, if they did talk, which was very rare, it was like I had a stereo in my head. It was like telepathy. But mm -hmm. one time they hurt me. They took a needle and it was, felt like a needle, and they put it in the back of my head, and it hurt like the dickens. And someone told me that you could reach your pituitary gland. Going, I don't know, but whatever they did, my 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 my, my intuitive faculties were heightened. Uh, the physiological changes is I get biolustly. Uh, I almost felt like I was smarter, like I was more intelligent, and uh, my hair grows really quickly. Well, I don't have a lot. This is the only place I have hair, but it grows. But my point being, and I mean, it hurt. And I woke up, and, uh, you know, by opening my eyes, and I wasn't asleep, and they were gone. And I told a friend of mine who was an astrologer, and she said, Michael, this is going to sound weird, but you need to talk to them. It's going to be weird, you walk in, but you need to set some boundaries. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, she said, it was so funny, you were walking around in your underwear yelling up at the ceiling. And I said, you can't do that. You cannot do that. That was very painful. About, blah, blah, blah. About a month or two later, they came. Because uh, uh, there was a, a lull. And they showed me a syringe. And I felt a little pinprick there. You know, oh, like, yeah. So maybe I'm just rationalizing, but it was no pain. And they showed, so I, you know, it, it worked. Whatever she said, you've got to. And it also was good for me, too, because then I could know, not, not really, but your intentionality. What kind of relationship was this going to be? Where you just do whatever you you want? Or am I in it with you? That's an interesting opportunity you had, Michael. Like, I envy it, and at the same time, I say, I wouldn't be afraid, but until it happens... You know, you don't know what makes me afraid was the suddenness. Like I could be turned this way in my bed, and when I turned around, they'd be right there. And the bizarreness 
because they're they don't look like this, especially reptilians. But 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 it made me work through my fear, as I said yesterday, because you know, outside of what I just shared with you, they never hurt me. If anything, my life has gotten better. And so then I just said, okay, now Michael, where else do you let this fear uh, impact your life in relationship and in, 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 in whatever you're doing, you know, uh, uh, new experiences. And so they taught me that. Now, they didn't sit down and say, well, we're going to teach you this, but it was a natural progression to make me look at fear. What what does fear do? How does it cripple you? Yeah. It's when I saw the same crap twice the first time was in a city, so that it wasn't as intimidating. The second time in the middle of the lake, just me and Jimmy in that boat, and uh, I was I was awed more than fearful. I had no fear. And it was like, subconsciously, I said, let's go for a ride. Take me. And uh, they didn't. But uh, just watching this craft roughly 150 feet long, just slowly, quietly, dead of night over the lake, just come over us. And just gone, you know, in the bat of an eye. And, and see, uh, I would push back until you would say, you don't know if they did. Because, because you know, you could get you could get regressed. I mean, because they manipulate time and whatever. You know, I don't know if you had missing time, but did you did you look at your clock between the time you did saw? Not. It? Yeah, did not. see, I didn't do that either. One, because you don't think of these things. Exactly. I did not think of that. So what's up? Did you look at your clock? Did you get a name? You're not trying to think about that. You're like, is this happening? You know, all you know, all systems are go. I'm, I'm on adrenaline. I pumped up. But and I had the presence of mind because I later, when I got regressed, I had been on a ship. Okay, but it was in my regression when mm-hmm. it first came up. So if you had looked at your clock, you know, You're maybe you say, "Oh my right. God, I, that's forty-five minutes an hour." I, I don't know what happened. You could have been on. And I was envying your perceived advancement in intelligence, just becoming more aware. Yeah, I shared with both of you yesterday that. I died 45 years ago yesterday. Yes, yes. And when so I came folks, back... Folks, I'm going to interject here. This is Dan Tebow talking, and, and he uh, said yesterday that it was the anniversary of him dying 45 years ago. In a car accident. And uh, when I came back, I had significant gifts, psychic gifts. I was smarter, more aware. Yeah. I can show you the exact place in my high school where I came up the stairs, and I turned the corner. Stu Remus said hi to me. Stu Remus never said hi to me. Turned the corner and I stopped and I looked at everyone and I thought, I know these people, but I've graduated. I'm up here now. I know things they don't. Yeah. And uh, I was incredibly psychic for several years and, uh, you know, saw friends die when they died. Uh, I'd, I had a bowling class on Friday and we'd be coming back to the campus and I'd say, I'd look at my mailbox and say, oh, I've got this in my mail. And I'd say, yeah, right. They'd all come to my mailbox, and that would be my mailbox. Yeah. And they were close enough friends. It was around Christmas. I remember Lori Peterson said, uh, what's in my mailbox? And I looked. and said, you've got a sweater that your Aunt Louise knitted for you. It's red. She goes, no. So everyone goes to her mailbox, and there was a package from her Aunt Louise. Yeah, yeah that's fun. It's a red knitted uh, sweater. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Lori Hansen, uh, she uh, she uh, died in the car with her parents, and I was in camp on, in the same yeah, quad with some friends. And also I screamed and I saw everything happening to her. And uh, I said, Lori just died. I mean, anyway, it's 
turns out she had. Mm-hmm. But uh, in uh, my class, I said, that's evil. You know, block that off. Can I keep it out? I did. It's harder to get back than it is to shut out. So, Dan and Michael, the gentleman I'm pointing to on the screen is formerly known as John Salter, and then he took the name Hunter Gray to honor his Native American upbringing. Uh, he is now uh, passed on. That's a picture of Hunter and his family. This is a gentleman who, um, with a Native American ethnicity, was active in the South helping people end segregation. I know this guy. I know who he is. He, heard of him. he had in 1988 the first of a series of encounters yeah. with positive ETs yeah. that enhanced him to be able to keep on keeping on. Mm. This is a man who contracted full-blown lupus and beat it, which is very, very rare. Um, I had the good fortune of, of coming to know Hunter Gray. And so I would point you guys with your backgrounds and with our conversation to his page. You could sit here with uh, a couple pots of coffee, and this website is incredible. Yeah. But you'll see the famous Woolworth lunch counter sit-in photo yeah. where it shows uh, two uh, black women and Hunter seated at the counter that was a whites-only counter, and the people pouring salt on top of them, putting cigarettes out on their arms, really demeaning them, um, hurting them physically, and they were helping end the system of keeping people separate. I, I, I think I may have a tape interview. So what a cassette. The reason why I point this out is because what do you guys think about the ET, whatever that might be, are they going to help us end a separateness that we currently feel with one another? That's the great debate whether they feel obligated to. Yeah, that's the great debate. To uh, dictate what happens here on this yeah, planet. Or, or, or free will. Or or free will. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I feel that um, they would let us figure it out for themselves. I don't know if there's some really like a prime directive where we don't interfere with certain planets or of lower evolutionary scale or what have you. It seems like that would be. Like for me, I use the analogy with my child. If she, if I bought her something and she didn't take care of it, and I would, and she said I want something else, I would say, "Well, you learn to take care of what you have. I will give you more." But just to step in, what am I teaching her? I'm teaching her that she could do whatever she wants, and Daddy will always be there. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're thinking. I don't know. I, but on the other hand, I feel that if we go out into space. And we bring our warlike ways out to space. They were not. They were not talking. About. And also, we've had stories like in Montana where the UFOs would appear over our, our missile silos and yeah. shut down all the series of nuclear right. silos, and yeah. making us aware that this is if the, they want to, they can stop us from destroying ourselves. Yeah, which would be a good. Yeah. So uh, we're here learning about consciousness, and uh, at the end of the day. We have to chop wood and carry water. Yes. Um, Before we're enlightened, we have those tasks as humans. And then after we reach that term of enlightenment. We still have to chop wood and carry wood. 
we still have to do the same thing. So uh, when you guys go to an event like this, uh, what is a takeaway for you? What do you take away and go back to your, your regular jobs or regular lives? What does this do for you, if anything? It's an enlightenment. Uh, you open your mind. You open your heart and soul. You become more receptive to the possibility of what's out there and how it can complete you, how it can make you better, uh, how you can better others with this same knowledge. It was interesting on the way here, uh, our uh, seatmates on the plane asked what we were doing out here. They were all going to a bachelor, that fun when that a bachelor party and they're gambling and whatever. And uh, what are you doing? We're going to a conference in Boston. Oh, what kind of conference? A MUFON conference. What's that? And, and did you say muffin? Is that a baking conference? <laughs> Cooking competition. <laughs> At any rate, uh, in sharing with them, and, and, and it's all, you know, one guy said, well, I believe in that. I really wouldn't think of going to a conference like this. Is, he learned so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, from your perspective, Michael, it's like, it was exciting to speak with you yesterday because, as a, again, man of the cloth, that you've opened your mind and your heart and your soul. It doesn't corrupt your belief system. It, it broadens it. Yeah. And uh, that's what these conferences do for me. They, they give me affirmation that I'm looking in the right direction. I am receptive to the, the possibilities, which are endless. Michael, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for me personally, I feel like this is part of my life's mission. And there are times I don't feel like doing it. Uh, you know, I don't make a lot of money. I'm taking off time from church. But I get to see old friends. I get to make some new ones. I get to learn some new things. But I also get to see the changes. It's good to be around like-minded people. You know, not in a tribal sort of way, but you get, I get my, I get my pistons going. I get my energy raised. You know what I mean? It's a, re, it, it recharges the batteries. I also, like, again, I know this is what Rufon is doing, talking about consciousness. So I see where I am, how things are changing and are changing. I get hope. It reminds me. So I, I agree with you. It just does, it does all of those things. And, and you know, sometimes you, be, you, you have some relationships with people. You may not see them for maybe, maybe once or twice a year, but you build, there's, there's something there that you're helping to raise the frequency, the vibration of the planet in a small way, but it doesn't have to be grandiose. Exactly. No, each small step gets us closer to the end of that journey. Um, this is Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And uh, Jim and Lou, I think it's time to send it back to you for the bottom of the hour break. Okay, thank you, Scott. We're going to do that, and we'll be back at you real soon, so stay tuned. And coming up at the noon hour, Charles Spain will be coming in as one of the new programmers here at KZUM. As we always say, we are by, for, and of the community. And so on Saturdays, we have our program called Beta Radio. Starts at noon, and we bring in the folks that are just getting their feet wet and start and just trying to figure out what they're doing here on KZUM Radio and making sure that they got all the ins and outs done. Charles could be coming in and spinning his favorite tunes for each one of you here on 89.3 KZUM. But let's get back into Unexplained Phenomenon with Jim and Scott. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hi, Scott. We're doing great. How are you? Um. My coffee cup is about in need of replenishing there, so 
Well, Do you I, mind if I, I have some of yours? I, I can't help you from here. It, it won't fit through the wires. Okay, virtual coffee. <laughs> virtual so coffee. We've had, as uh, they say, a, a great uh, conference so far. This is Saturday. We've got uh, virtually the entire day in front of us. Tonight's the big banquet. And then we've got tomorrow uh, the experiencer session with Gwen Farrell. Um, then we've got um, Costa Macrius and Hollis Polk. I've had Costa on the show before mm-hmm. talking about uh, close encounters and ET contact. And then um, the pair that that uh, Reverend Carter here mentioned, Stacy Wright and Jim Mann, they're going to be on in talking about MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network's role in the raising of consciousness and UFOs. Then we've got Marcella Velasco, and uh, I believe she's from Peru, uh, visitors from Andromeda. Then we've got a whole panel of people speaking, and then we end the conference at about 5 o'clock tomorrow, and we all try to go back to our regular 9-to-5s or eight to fours or whatever, but we go back with a sense, as you just heard Dan and Reverend Carter talk about, with exuberance, we've been uh, filled to the brim, supercharged. We've been with people of like mind, and uh, we're forming friendships that will last um, throughout the ages for many years to come. So lots of reasons to come to a conference like this. And I'm pleased to, to be here to kind of be your voyeur, ladies and gentlemen, allowing you to kind of journey with me as we go through this weekend here. Um, so, uh, Reverend Carter, you talked about and mentioned in your presentation, um, Reverend Dr. Barry Downing. Yeah. And yeah. he wrote a book back in 1968 called The Bible and Flying Saucers. Yes. And he... Is a Presbyterian minister, I'm Presbyterian, and he's stood through all these years, and he's unflinchingly, with a lot of <laughs> personal sacrifice, yeah. taken slings and arrows from other people in theology, yeah. from academics, yeah. and he says that when you look at the Bible and compare it to modern-day UFO accounts— yeah and you try to make any sort of allowance for the language, semantics, the particular customs of the people 2,000 years ago, that you find remarked similarities between modern-day UFO accounts and these extraordinary events reported in the Bible. And uh, so it's really opened my eyes up as a Christian to be able to look at this in another way. And for me, I, I want to say, and I want to ask you guys this, uh, thinking and considering UFOs as being another aspect of creation, for me, doesn't change the role that Christ played and what he's taught us, what I'm still trying to live every day. Yes. Uh, it's only expanded that. So I have not been deflected away from my faith. <clears throat> That's a criticism that happens from people outside looking at those of us that get interested in UFOs, that it's somehow it's a demonic influence that's taken us away from our faith. For me, it's done nothing. It's in fact, the opposite. It's enhanced my faith. Yeah. Do either one of you guys want to respond to that? 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, you, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And that's what, that's what buries it. And, and people criticize this for it. They, they just say, well, you're, you're just putting a UFO layover or covering over your theology. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. For Barry, he's not here, but Barry, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And, that's the, and, and, you know, it doesn't have to do that. A lot of people ask me that. Can I be a Christian and still believe in UFOs? And of course you can. And why can't, it, why can't you have both? Why can't that yeah. broaden yeah. your horizons and the yeah. possibilities that you you have? And uh, I wrote a, a paper for a, a Bible class in college that Adam and Eve weren't just two people. They were representative of what was on Earth at that time. Uh, we have all these races on Earth now. How could they come from one couple? They didn't. I mean, we have been visited. We've been helped by ETs, be it uh, the hybrids, be it any number of directions you want to go. The acceptance of UFOs, to me, complements my Christian faith. Makes it easier to look at things in a a broader perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I mean, I I took a different trail. but that's the trail that, that suits me. And, and, I, and I don't have a problem with people doing what they do. It's just, again, that, you know, you, you know, you do what's right for you. You don't have to lay it on me. And I won't lay it on you. You know, what, and, and I, I, as I said yesterday, I'm giving you an alternative view. Not trying to take away your belief system. And I also want to express what I'm feeling and thinking for my research. And and we can coexist. Uh, and and I and I will I will do that whether I believe in UFOs or not or have these experiences. We don't have to think alike to love alike. But I want I want to respect where you're coming from, but I also need you to respect where I'm coming from as well. And again, that's without UFOs, that's just evolution. Where we, you know, where we say that you're more than your body or what you believe, because the bottom line is this: I know what you believe by how you treat me. Mm-hmm. I know what you believe by how you by treat how me. You treat because me. your actions will always speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. Always. You, even kids know that. They'll listen to what you say, but they'll watch what you do. If guys, if we have um, this large term of ET that may represent people from other planets, people from other dimensions, uh, beings of energy, beings that somehow coexist with us right here on Earth. All these, if if we can just for the sake of argument call them by the term ET, if if they are interacting with us, we're getting something from that what do you suppose they're getting from the interaction? Well, but my, a friend of mine said years ago that it's a two-way street. We we'll always look at one side that what what we're experiencing as humans, because that's naturally, that's our vantage point. What are they getting from this interaction with us? My belief system encompasses uh, spirit guides, helpers. Whatever you want to call them, angels, what have you. And so if life is continuous, and just like we have our life lessons to learn, 
probably those assisting us have evolution to go through as well. They're just in a different dimension. And so they have their quote-unquote spiritual lessons to learn on the other side. Because remember, we've all been on that side. We may not remember being out of a body, but we've all been on that side, maybe as spirit guides or whatever to other people. So I would, I mean, I would, I would, I would speculate or intuit that they have their, their lessons to learn on that side too. Maybe different from ours because they don't have a body. So it may be a little more fluid or whatever, you know, but their consciousness, you evolve, you evolve whether you're in the body or not. That's, that's what I believe. Yeah, I concur, and at the same time, I don't know if it's like we're an experiment for animals in a zoo to observe. We're primitive by their standard. Uh, they are advanced in this technology-wise, if not, you know, obviously. Um, are they waiting for us to to get that next level to evolve to? self-realize what we are, what we can be without the pettiness, the wars, the, the, the bad things that go on with this race right now, this planet. Um, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, like, I don't know what they do get from us. I mean, uh, they pat themselves to the back for on their back for helping us along this far and, you know, let's make a mistake now, like you're referring to a child before. How much do you? How much rope do you give them? How much? Yeah, I, you know. And I, and I have another thing to add to that. Who says they have to get something? Exactly. I guess that's good. Yeah. I'm sometimes you do good because good is good to do. And sometimes you do good because, because good is good, good, is good, good, good I, to do. Yeah, I'm not getting heaven or hell. I'm not getting reward or punishment. I'm just doing. It. Mm-hmm. And and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that everyone you know who's is ET or from another dimension is, is means us good. I don't know if you want to think of those polarities. But who says they have to? You know, but if, when you read channel material, whether it's that or whether you read the Bible, you know, uh, these channels, these spirits are saying that they're going through their own evolution too. They're just not in the body. Or maybe they finish their lifetimes in the body. I like to think of it as life as the schoolhouse. So you're here to learn lessons. And when you finish one set of lessons, you go to a different set of lessons. But like any good teacher, a good teacher will tell you what to look at, but won't tell you what to see. And so, because otherwise you can't grow. And and, and life is many things, but one of the things is about growth. I taught English for a couple of years at the uh, senior high school level, creative writing classes, that kind of thing. You survived. We will get to that later. Um but it's like you said, it's like you, you, you can't tell them what to write. You try to scratch the, the creativity that, that lies there and get them to produce something, but you can't. It's not something that's implanted. And the reward is pushing them over that line, and they write, and it's like you, know, you, you feel terrific afterwards. And again, is that on the same scale as you're asking, what do the ETs get? That's a possible answer, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think you can answer it in some ways, but like when I talked about detachment yesterday, or, or non-attachment, you know, you do stuff without waiting for an outcome. 
that, that way my ego doesn't get involved. I did that for you, and now you got to get that for me. That's a very human way to think. Or I'm I did that for you. Because I'm supposed to get something from this, and it may not be that. It may be um, that I, I do something for you, and I, like what I do in church on Sunday, and even out here, I put that information out there. But I have learned a long time ago, I don't worry about it afterwards. I'm not waiting for someone to come to visit you, you did good or whatever. My job is to get it out there. What you do with it is up to you. And so that way I'm not trying to manipulate or control or I'm disappointed. I put it out there. And what you do with it is up to you. The court has much use. Everything you see and everything you do is there for your budget. What you do with it is up to you. Yeah, I'm not attached to it. I, I, I don't have a dog in the hunt. All, all I was supposed to do was get it to you. I can't remember the exact year, but uh, uh, right around 2006, 2007, there was an article in the Vatican newspaper by the Vatican chief astronomer, and uh, he he wrote a paper. The headline was, The Alien is My Brother. And he was not talking about people crossing an artificial boundary, state to state, country to country, those aliens. And now folks that are listening on the radio, I'm pointing up in the air. He was talking about I remember that the alien. And so the conversation in theological circles has been going on quietly behind the scenes for some time now. There are more and more people in theological backgrounds, endeavors like ministers, priests, rabbis, that are starting now to embrace, grapple. Part of it may be driven by the very people that they serve in their own ministries. That is the creator by here, why not elsewhere? Yeah. Yes, if, if, we, uh, if we look at a God consciousness as being creator of all things, that means that the quote-unquote alien, these other sentient beings, are to us brothers and sisters. Yes. And for me, that is awe-inspiring. It helps take away some of the petty stuff that we human beings experience between each other. It's not to say that I won't leave here in Laughlin and go back to Lincoln, Nebraska, and be cut off in traffic on Tuesday and want to offer a profane word or a suggestion about the guy's heritage, uh, because I'm still in the trenches. But what it does do is that when when I think of brothers and sisters as relations, that lessens these boundaries that exist. I'm more able to accept somebody else for who they are without judgment uh, and to try to embrace that with love. Yeah. And it would be incredibly hubris for us to think that we're the only dance in town. But, but it's also... We know that we are. We are, but it's, but it's also what our Native brothers and sisters have always said, especially in place. All my relations, the funny thing is Lakota. You know what I mean? These are all my relations. It's, we're all interconnected. And, and science is just getting that from this Eurocentric view where Aboriginal peoples do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, science is just getting it. Western science is really just getting it that, that these folks do a long time. Now, they may describe it in different ways. The plant people, the rock people, you know, but, but basically what they're saying is these are all my relations. There is no separation. And that in itself is a shift in consciousness. 
Because once I get it, then what I do to you, I do to myself. He raised the vibration of the blood. And isn't that, that's, capitalism is, is going to be changing, I feel, to a more enlightened version. I've had a minister friend that has argued that for many, many years. Yeah. And it goes back to what Michael Carter just said, that if you do good, and now I'm pointing the finger out there away from me, the collective you, if you do good, that means that I do good. We all do good. So your best interest ultimately serves my best interest. Yes. And it's a change from the old game, the old paradigm of saying, okay, on the table we've got 20 objects, and the goal is to try to get as many of those as possible while making other people have less of those, figuring out ways that they won't get their share. It goes from competition to cooperation. Oh, that's thank you. That was a better way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's what it goes from. I cooperate with you because I know that we're in the same boat. Yeah. But, but, but consciousness takes a long time to change. I mean, we've been raised in the Western paradigm, which was very materialistic, Newtonian physics. And so all this stuff is coming back around. When I hear people say new age, and they, they poo-poo it. There's no such thing as new age. There's ancient wisdom being rediscovered. But this, now, we may be going into a new age as far as we're like the politics of the Aquarian age or whatever. That's a whole other show. But, but we're starting to get it. Um, and you can't expect 8 billion people to be on the same page. Uh, you know, that's just not the way reality works. But people are changing. I mean, when I leave here uh, Monday... A lot of things you guys are going to stick with me. I'm sure we'll be in touch electronically until the next time. But I, MUFON just started using consciousness in there. I mean, that's that's big yeah. for us. Very big. I'm the, uh, I'm the former Nebraska State Director for MUFON. Yeah. So I can tell you from my own personal history that that, that utterance of the word consciousness is huge. It's big. Now, now, we have to be careful. Like I said yesterday, it has become like love that it doesn't mean anything. But it's being more aware of our brother and sister. Oh, it's opening another door. Yeah. And all you have to do is go through and see where it takes us. Yeah. Yes, guys, as we wind down here, we've got a couple minutes left here. Um, well, I tell you what, instead of me asking a question, I'm going to just say the microphone, Dan and Michael, is open for you to now in several minutes have a final say. So what I'd like to have you do is take a big, deep breath and just imagine how you can best communicate your heart and soul with the people listening. And Dan, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I've always enjoyed these events. Again, the friends we make, new and old friends, free acquaintances, so on and so forth. This weekend has been, it's only one day old, uh, had been more rewarding, I think, than previous. Uh, meeting Michael yesterday, and it's like it's like the best friend I haven't seen in a few years, and we cool. just get back together and yeah. and, uh, and then seeing friends like you, Scott, who I haven't seen in two years, and uh, you know, it's like a family reunion. Uh, we're like-minded. We can share. We can disagree. We can <laughs> elaborate, expound, talk about a thaumaturge down the street, and and say that didn't work. And uh, it's, it, it broadens your horizons. It 
opens your mind. It, it, it makes you a better person. And, uh, man, a few words sometimes, and I'm running out of them this morning, but uh, it's, it's a great time, great experience. I encourage your listeners to, uh, when possible, take an opportunity to join us. Wouldn't it be great if we had everybody listening, the thousands of people live, and those people also later on the archive, to have you folks all show up here next year? Wouldn't that be cool? Dan, I'll shake your hand, and thank you very much. Thank you very much, again, Scott. Good to see you. Michael, how about you now? What, from your heart and soul, what would you like to say to our listeners? To, to whatever you have faith in, religiously or secular, whatever it is, keep that faith. Because a new world is being born, and we are here to see the birth of it. And we, we are significant, and we matter. We all matter. And even though it's going to be a rough time, and we may be going through a rough time now, just, just hold tight. Uh, because it's like a birth. And a woman has, you know, all the, Jesus used this analogy about a woman in travail with uh, the pain and what have you, uh, uh, birthing a child. But then afterwards, you forget all that thing because you see the new life that is in front of you. So that is what I'd like to leave you with, hope and, and a new world being born. Okay, Michael, it's a pleasure to meet you also. My, my brother, my friend. My brother, my friend. Dan, thanks again. Thank you. And um, your, your participation here, I know what I was up against for the speakers, so thank you very much for we coming missed today. Marie Geller. I know. So we're going to all have to get that DVD and look at that. So, okay, uh, this is Scott Colborn, and I want to thank you folks out there for listening. Uh, next week's guest is Matthew Swain. Haunted rails, tales of ghost trains, phantom conductors, and other railroad spirits. Matthew Swain's our guest next week, and uh, this is Scott Colborn live from the Aquarius Casino Resort and beautiful Laughlin, Nevada. We're having a whale of a time. We wish you were all here. And next year, let's make it so. Let's get all you guys and gals here. Uh, and with that, Jim, I'm going to send it back to you and Lou. And I want to thank you guys very much for running the air studio there in Lincoln, Nebraska, and for allowing me to, to uh, frolic and play out here in Laughlin. So thank you, gentlemen. Well, thank you, Scott. What a great show. Lots of uh, great conversation and great stuff to, to, to think about. And uh, I want to thank all your guests and uh, you for doing this for us and wish you a safe trip back to Lincoln. And just FYI, it's 42 degrees with a, with a high of 52 forecast for today, and it's a beautiful, clear, sunny day. Jim, if you have time, go over to my house and rake my leaves, okay? Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> okay, and Jim, do you want to text me that that phone number that you spoke of earlier? Uh, yeah, I can do that off the air with you. Okay. Just, just, uh, just hang on. Thank you, guys. I'm Scott Colborn and Walkin' Beauty. And with that, that's Scott Colborn on location in Nevada. We're going to let him go and sit here with Jim for a few minutes. 89.3 KZUM. Uh, thank you, Scott, and we will see you back when you get into town. Okay, great. So what do you think, Lou? Well, I'd say there's some interesting conversations that are going on. A lot of folks have um, different feelings and different thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I personally heard at the beginning, and 
I heard at the beginning a, a one one of the gentlemen that was speaking about how there is much like in religion, much like in politics, mm-hmm. much like in economics, there's this whole believe what I'm saying, not what they're saying. Right. Believe what this person wrote, but not what this person wrote. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to get into the negativity of that. What I'll get into is the curiosity of humanity. Right. And and how as folks seek to understand different things that are going on around them or within them, there's folks that want to help that journey and there's folks that want mm-hmm. to profit off of that journey. Mm-hmm. And so it, that was an interesting thing for me to hear. Um, also at the end of the program to hear the tying together of religion, Christianity, if you will, and other life forms, other phenomenon. Um, that was a little, that, that was um, an interesting thing to me as someone who is not of the faith. Um, I can't say that I'm a religious individual, but I'm a moral individual. And so hearing some of that science mixed in with religion and the unexplained all tied together was an right. interesting thing. Sure. And I think ultimately, you know, nobody has all the answers, obviously. But what I see kind of dovetails in with this is there's there's just a lack of intellectual curiosity today. There's a, a tendency to believe whatever you see on TV is true, whatever the whatever's on the Internet is true, no matter how absurd it may sound. And nobody wants to dig deeper. And so that's what Scott and, and many of his friends out there at uh, Laughlin are doing. They're digging deeper. They're trying to expand. They're looking at different viewpoints and uh, just expanding the whole uh, the whole universe of information, basically. And it's, even if you don't believe or don't agree with everything, when you have a group of people come together at a convention like this and are able to bounce their ideas, their beliefs, their convictions off of each other. You know, they say iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And ideas are, ideas are only ideas until you are able to discuss them with others and, uh, pro- you know, their hypotheses until you're able to prove them or until you're able to have scientific data behind them. Um, and to be able to have those kinds of discussions and then go back out into the world and in the country, um, I'm assuming there are folks that are going to be there not just from the United States. I'm not that self-centered in, as an American that's only oh, yeah. about us. Yeah, we have um, people from all over the world. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing to hear. So I, I appreciate the um, privilege to come in and sharpen my tools running the board, and thank you all for having me on. Okay, well, I got the music coming up, and Lou, you are officially a part of the EUP family now, so welcome, and come back anytime. <laughs> 